everyone, and welcome to The Propcast. My name is Louisa Dickens, co-founder of LMRE and board director of the UKPA, and I shall be your weekly host. Each week for 30 minutes, we'll be connecting the VCs, prop tech startups, and real estate professionals globally, and assist in bridging that famous communication gap we all love talking about. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the PropCast. Today's episode will be on real estate investment and technology collaboration. And today, we're fortunate enough to be joined by Richard Croft, Exec Chairman of M7 Real Estate, and Oli Farago, CEO of Coyote Software. So welcome, Crofty and Oli. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you very much for inviting us. We're very excited to be here. It's an absolute pleasure. Looking forward to it. Pleasure. Okay, awesome. Well, before, before I start, I'd love to give... A brief introduction and to our guests. So Richard Croft is an exec chairman of M7 Real Estate, one of the leading specialists in the pan-European regional multi-let real estate market. Majority owned by its senior managers, M7 has over 230 employees in 14 countries across Europe. The team manages over 830 retail, office and industrial properties with value of circa 5 billion euros. At M7, he's responsible for the strategic direction of the company, capital raising, and leads a real estate fund management function. In this capacity, he sits in the GP board and investment committees of all M7's funds, in addition to numerous other M7 JV boards. Prior to co-founding M7 in 2009, Richard founded Halverton Ream LLP, subsequently GPT Halverton. Before this, he was International Investment Director at Property Fund Management PLC, now Valad, and has been involved in over 10 billion euros of transactions during his 26 years of real estate experience. And in, in addition to all of this and all his other duties at M7, Richard is a non-executive director of IPSX, the International Property Securities Exchange. So a very impressive track record and level of experience. And I can't wait to hear more from you, Crofty. And obviously for those who, don't know, who do not know Ollie, who's, who is listening in, Oli is the CEO and co-founder of Kaiju Software, an award-winning commercial real estate software platform transforming the way that real estate businesses buy and manage assets globally. Oli has spent his career as a techie in real estate and has been at the forefront of commercial property technology scene since, well, long before the term prop tech was even coined. And Coyote started life as the internal software platform of M7 Real Estate, where Oli was CTO. In 2009, when they couldn't find any software that solved the needs of their business, Richard, Ollie, and the rest of the team started using their combined real estate knowledge to form a blueprint for a software platform that Ollie started coding. Three months later, Coyote version one was launched and the rest is history. And in 2017, Coyote was spun off to become a standalone business where Ollie is CEO, spending his time leading a growing team of 35 plus or even more people now between offices in London and New York. Um, today, only two years after launching to the market, Kaiti has over 40 clients in six different countries using Kaiti to track over 90,000 assets and 200,000 tenants across Europe, the US and the Middle East. So thank you both for coming on the podcast once again. But what I would love to, I guess, kickstart the podcast with, so I'd love to hear more about how you two came together and I guess the learnings you both have from your businesses. So Crofty, do you want to sort of, I guess, kick start with, I guess, how has Coyote sort of affected your business? You know, what problem does it really solve to sort of M7? And just, I guess, tell me more, I guess, how it's 
help help your business? Well, let me start actually probably at the beginning of the coyote story. Perfect. So, uh, Ollie and I have we've been business partners since the very beginning of Ollie's career, really. Uh, so Ollie came to work with me at Hamilton and was 2006. 2006, yeah, um, you know, which is 15 years very nearly. Uh, we, when we left GPD Hamilton, we said we left when I was fired from GPD Hamilton, and um, it was decided, all of us, that we'd set up M7. Um, Ollie and I sat down with the rest of the team to try and work out what we could get technology to do for us so that we could differentiate our new business M7 as it became from the market. And Coyote was the result of that. But you need to understand that after we got fired, after I got fired from GPT and the team decided to reform as M7, we thought that we probably ought to take the lessons that were meted out by the global financial crisis and pay attention to them and learn from them. And Coyote was, in fact, the probably key takeaway was that managing your data is as important as managing your assets. And when we started M7, we were looking for a software package that allowed us to run acquisitions successfully, allowed us to manage data better, to have a stronger information management structure, and it just didn't exist. So we sat down, so primarily David Emple, um, John Croft, my brother, and led by Oli, we sat down to look at what we could create and look at data and look at way we could use software and we could use technology to improve our real estate offer and coyote was born out of that probably it's already to the story from here sorry no no no. i was just gonna say i was totally agree. it's fair to say isn't it that when we were looking it's not only that we couldn't find a software platform to do what we needed actually a lot of the software providers out there they didn't really understand a business like ours and and that also really added to added to the channel that's totally true and actually if you consider Coyote's claim, which is property software written by property people. Uh, it's true, you know, Ollie had been in a property business since his very full formation as a business person. So, you know, Ollie has been around property, understands property, so even though he has the ability to code, um, it, it's important to understand that he understands real, real, real estate. And the team that advised him on the creation of Coyote were real estate people. So we told him what we needed software to do. And a lot of prop tech is designed by people who are quite tech-orientated and trying to solve problems they think the real estate industry has, rather than this was done from the other way around. A bunch of, I would think, relatively able real estate asset managers telling Ollie what the problems were we had, and Ollie and his team then coding around the problems we had and how we were going to solve them. So this was built from the bottom up, and I think makes it a very different proposition to almost any other prop tech, particularly prop tech solution, I hate the expression, but prop tech software that is out there at the moment trying to do similar things to Coyote. Totally. Yeah. It's given us a real it's given us a real unique selling point in the market. And to be honest, that sort of leads us into like why we decided to ultimately spin it out, which is that, you know, we wanted to just keep that going. And we had over the course of the eight years that we had developed it as an internal tool, like we had just constantly added new features and new functionality like every single time we we, we, we experienced pain points and you know frustrations within the M7 business, but then we realized actually, you know, we created what we created with the input of, of just ourselves, but what could we do with it if we went out to the entire industry and we went out to the best in class in like every single country and every single sector and we could keep creating this tool co-created by, by property people. And, you know, I think it's fair to say, isn't it, Crofty, that was a big rationale for us wanting to, to spin it out. 
Yeah. Essential. Sorry, Louisa. No, carry on. If if you've got sort of more to say, I was going to go on. So, for for you, Crofty, is there a particular feature on, say, the Kaiti product which has benefited M7 most? No, because it's the the package. There are two things that I will tell you about Coyote, or three things actually, that you know, somebody in my position benefits from, and obviously the platform benefits. One, I've been able to sit at my desk on Saturday and Sunday afternoons at home, and I can see every deal that's been worked on across the group. The group's big now, so if, you know, there is nothing. There's no piece of information isn't available to me almost instantaneously. So. That's been a big thing. I can't think there is a single piece of software where a public property company, in this case, the Alternative Income, where we recently won the mandate to become the manager, the board referenced Coyote and our use of it as a key reason for them transferring the mandate to us. I mean, that, you know, I just don't think that happens. You know, we are a very successful asset manager, but one of the things that they highlight as being one of the reasons for appointing us is that our asset management is... Um, is and our data management is just so ahead of everybody else's, and that is because of Coyote. And I guess, Ollie, for you, obviously, having sort of M- M7 as a client, you know, you now have sort of 40 clients, you know, globally. Has obviously winning a few big clients, do you, do you start to see more sort of an uptick? Do you have sort of more almost proven like case studies? How, I guess, how's that sort of growth been for you? Yeah, I think you know, there's no doubt about it that the clients breed clients, you know, having the, the more, you know, M7 was a phenomenal, you know, we were so lucky to have M7 to start with because so many people, you know, knew M7 and so went, well, actually, you know, if this is, you know, if this is good for M7 and this has powered their growth, then it's definitely something that we should look at. But definitely like the more clients that we've then got in, in be it in different sectors or in different countries, it then just gets easier and easier to, to sort of, to win different clients. Um, so we've definitely seen like a, an acceleration in the adoption of the of the Coyote platform since we officially launched it to the market in April 2018. Can and I just alongside. Sorry, just make the point that you know we Ollie and I decided in 2017 to provide it to the marketplace. You know, but for a long time I was not in favour of creating Coyote as a separate business because it gave M7 such an unfair advantage. It was like going into battle with a tank. Everybody else has spears, and you know, and if you look at a company that didn't exist in 2009, I mean, there is no doubt that well, I would say this, but I think there is a lot of evidence that M7 has been the most successful of the 2009 class of new businesses, and a lot of that was down to our adoption of technology, and a lot of it obviously down to Coyote, which led our adoption of technology. So in 2017, it was only when I thought that other people you know, we're beginning to understand how important data management and data integrity is. But, you know, I thought, well, if we don't actually allow people to have the software, not our data, but to have the, the software, somebody will probably go and design it anyway. And we're seeing, obviously, with companies like BTS, etc., you know, project is being more widely established. So it was only in 2017 that I sort of agreed that Ollie's plan of making this a publicly available thing was a good, good idea, because... For a long time, I wanted to keep it to myself and to our <laughs> Yeah, it's fair to say, isn't it, Crofty? I don't think we have, I think we never really talked about it before, but the very first iteration, we used to call it 7N software, I think. And the very yeah. first software deck, which was us considering selling Coyote to an Australian company, I think the deck dates back to 2011. You yeah. know, that's how early we started thinking about it. And then we, over the years, we were just like, shall we know? Shall we know? And then, yeah, 2017 is when it finally happened. You know, and it's, but it is, you know, from M7's perspective, 
spinning it out was a was a big decision. You know, it wasn't so much a, about money. It was about you know the fact that our USP, the thing, our special source. I mean, it's a bit like Colonel Saunders making his eleven herbs and spices available to the general public. That's how I felt about it. <laughs> I don't think I don't think he would, but we did. Well, I guess it's given it's given you a massive sort of technical advantage and i guess that you're also going to share share that with various other so i think we got an eight year head start with our data um and so that's that was important that was the other reason i reckon we got eight years uh, ahead of the of the market with our the knowledge that we built through coyote so making the weapon available was fine because we'd already taken so much benefit from it and i think that that actually leads quite nicely to what i was just saying around you know, having more clients helps win, win new clients, but actually the market was also rapidly changing so much. You know, as Crofty says, like, you know, eight years ago or in, in 2009, really nobody was doing anything like it. And even when we span out and started having the kind of early stage conversations in late 2017, the appetite was fundamentally different. Right. Like, yeah, people were just starting to take note, like the, the, the whole prop tech thing was really was starting to, to have, a, have a lot more conversations. But, you know, it, it wasn't widespread. You know, they were the types of conversations that if we were at MIPIM and you had a chat to someone about, you know, oh, what do you do? Oh, uh, yeah, prop tech. I'd be like, oh, OK. <laughs> and it certainly wouldn't be like, oh. Brilliant. Let's have a conversation. And then gradually over 18, 19, we just saw this huge shift from people dipping their toe into the water and what, you know, originally starting to want to talk about how they're doing prop tech and then people trying stuff out. And, you know, we're just now, we were just entering into the period where I think people were really starting to, to commit to major projects of digital transformation and adopting platforms like Coyote. Obviously, COVID, which maybe we'll come on and talk to a little bit. <laughs> slightly changed the pattern of that but that's where we were and um i guess the sort of more the uptake you've seen over here in say uk and europe you've obviously recently launched in the us which is awesome and congratulations again for that would you say that the us real estate industry is more open to technology or slightly advanced or is it still the same challenges for Biz, technology businesses trying to win over landlords and real estate funds on that side of the pond? Yeah, it's definitely similar challenges. I think where it's slightly easier in, in the US is that there are a lot more software as a service platforms out there um, selling services to the real estate industry. You know, bizarrely, you might say, well, surely it's easier without competition, but actually that just isn't the case. Like, you know, us having competition, even tangential competition in, in the US means that the market is being educated. And, you know, if people know that there is a category of product out there, then all of us working together are kind of educating that market. And then people can then come and look at us and then they can say, well, how do you compare to platform X or Y? And then, you know, we're just competing on feature set, on budget, on, you know, team fit or whatever it might be. Whereas when we started this in the UK, we were competing against like literally day books and people filing stuff in, in Outlook, at which point, you know, we were create, we were trying to persuade people they needed to spend money. So in the US, people have already got the mindset that, that these systems are out there and there is, you know, obviously VTS have made a massive difference in terms of the way that the industry thinks about SaaS-based technology. And so it, it sounds like, like it, it's utterly cliched, but 
in, in the US, we're finding that people are much more open, they're much more willing to, to, to have the conversation, and then they'll tell you if they're not interested, and they'll tell you why they're not interested. And then we can move on, you know, which in, is actually a lot easier than in the UK, where we are so <laughs> polite. And no one likes to say no. Like, oh yeah, the timing's not quite, can we just get back to you in a couple of, we just need to do one more deal, you know? And, you know, yeah, no one wants to say no to you. So it, it, it's just, it, it is really interesting that the nuances of selling into the, into the different markets. You mentioned obviously COVID, which obviously a lot, lot of people are talking about. For both of you, how does it, do you see many opportunities coming out of, you know, COVID and where do you see them from a, I guess, a real estate investment standpoint and a uh, prop tech standpoint? Crofty, do you want to go ahead? Yes, real estate, I mean, it's, I spend almost every day on three or four calls trying to work out what the opportunity set is that's been created. <laughs> um, so, I mean, if you imagine real estate as a long line, a, a, a linear asset class, no wonder you've got shopping centers and hospitality, which has been brutalized by COVID. I mean, you know, just horrible right now. So, you know, just no business, no income. And at the other end, you've got things like data centers and logistics, which have performed phenomenally. So, in fact, there's no distress over there. If anything, it's grown. And then across the line, you've got different sectors from retail warehousing to student housing to uh, regional offices to city center offices. And they're all performing slightly differently. So we, you know, we tried to work out where there was opportunity. I mean, at one point we were thinking about uh, launching a massive recovery fund. But the truth is, I'm not sure there's a lot to recover. You've seen what's happened in the stock markets, and you've seen uh, what's happened to valuations, which is pretty limited outside of the disaster cases of shopping centres and, uh, and some hospitality. So I think that you know our view is we're going to keep doing what we're doing, which is investing in the sectors that we think offer long-term. Um, we've been nervous about megacities, so I include London in that for quite a long time because of affordability. And I think that you know the COVID event or the coronavirus event has speeded up a change that I think was coming. They used to say that there were three rules to investing in real estate. When I say there, I think it was Charles Corrish, which was location, location, location. I think that's changing <laughs> and is becoming space, space and connectivity. Very important that you've got good uh, connectivity or uh, fiber, basically, you know, because none of this is available if you don't have good internet speed. So I think people realize the, the, the value of that now, um, but the value of space. And what I mean by that is that people want to be able to spread out more. People want to be able to, um, to feel that they're not hemmed in. And I think people don't want to commute anymore. So where we're at at the moment is that we think the opportunity is going to be in the regions in the UK and across, across Europe. We think uh, people don't want to not use offices. That's terrible use of English, triple negative probably there, but people do want offices. They just want a different offer to what they had, had before. Mm. I think that what people don't want to do is commute anymore. And it's interesting to see if that comes back, but we, we remain nervous London we remain positive in the regions. And we think things like retail warehousing, which is warehousing that has a retail consent rather than a shopping center. Uh, we think that is probably well positioned to benefit uh, over the next 6, 12, 18, 24 months. So our primary focus is on regional office, uh, industrial, obviously, with our transmission of the Blackstone, the partnership we have with Blackstone, and retail warehousing. Okay. Well, that's quite, that's quite a few of opportunities to sort of, I guess, look forward to I feel like whenever you sort of listen 
or read a blog or do something it's usually quite negative so <laughs> it's good to well, hear it's, it's not that it, it's i mean i, I agree that the, the global economy is going to spend two years dealing with the aftershocks i mean so the earthquakes happen but the aftershocks are still to come however the amount of fiscal stimulus that has been bazookered at the global economy by by well, every central bank and by governments and it's going to be followed up with massive infrastructure spend and quantitative easing, it seems very difficult or seems very unlikely to, to me that asset values are going to fall. So you're going to have this, I wrote an article about it, everybody wants to go to our website, you can find it. It's called The End of Smith. And it is about the strange result or strange outcome we're going to have from mass fiscal stimulus, which is going to have excess liquidity, which means you're going to have fairly substantial asset inflation, whilst the real economy is going to struggle. And you've seen that over the course of the last Three, 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 three months with the recovery in the stock market. So it's not that I'm positive per se, it's just that the amount of money that is floating around, the need for income, is going to drive quite a lot of capital towards certain types of real estate. Mm, just got to be smart with it. <laughs> but I, yeah, that's, that's the plan, and I hope, I, I hope it's smart. We're about to find out if we are. And I guess, Ollie, from like a technology standpoint, where do you see the opportunities for Coyote? Obviously, mentioned, you know, there's definitely some obstacles already, but there's been more of a take up. How do you think this is going to affect, I guess, uptake in the real estate world of uh, new technologies? I think long term, it's, it, you know, it's going to cause a massive acceleration in, in, in adoption across the board, certainly of technologies that are, you know, helping people understand, helping people report to their investors, helping people analyze and, and, and understand risk. You know, a huge amount of people have been frank, just caught with their trousers down, whereby, you know, suddenly this scenario is, has come about and then banks and investors are, you know, expecting, you know, an awful lot from, from, from them in terms of reporting that they just cannot provide. And so, you know, we, we saw pretty early on the whole, wave of, of, of people coming to us some sometimes that we'd spoken to before that had said you know the timing's the timing's not right coming and saying okay you know we now need to need to go ahead and you know that's not to say that it's this has been an you know an easy period for us as a software provider or, or, or for any others because you know inevitably along with the the increased demand has become pressure on people's budgets and, and and things like that but we're definitely seeing more interest more inbound leads and we're building more pipeline into in, into q3 than we've ever seen before obviously then in the kind of the building technologies around you know, all the things that are going to be required to continue to make space work well and helping people feel comfortable around you know be it fresh and clean air be it touch touchless entry and you know the way that you're operating lifts and that you know there's obviously all kinds of things there that are going to just go through the roof as buildings need to entirely reinvent the way they work is there been have you seen clients asking for slightly sort of different product or is there anything which you've done to sort of develop your product over i guess the past like few months or what you maybe have planned for the future yeah, we definitely we definitely ended up sh shifting our roadmap a little bit over the last couple of months, purely based on, you know, the market shifting, you know, and, and, and instead of what we might have been optimizing for was for clients that were going and buying lots and lots. And then suddenly they're, you know, not buying so much and the, the, 
the pressure shifts onto really understanding and effectively managing what they have. So we spent a lot of time chatting to our clients and understanding really what they needed. And, and then, you know, the nice thing about being of a, a small size is that we can still be very agile. So we, we have a, a tech team that we release new versions of Coyote every two weeks. And so when our clients were saying to us, look, we really need to be able to ask questions of our portfolio around, you know, analyzing what our exposure is to certain tenants and what our exposure is to sectors in countries and, you know, looking at how that relates to, you know, people's arrears. And so we were able to build whole new swathes of functionality and kind of get that in people's hands within three or four weeks, which has been massively well received. Um, well, and the other thing we've had to do is just, frankly, is just listen and be supportive to our clients and, and what they need. And like in every industry, you know, some of our clients are, you know, are, are hurting and they've come to us and sort of been saying, okay, you know, we might need, you know, a bit of a concession, whether that be going to monthly paying for a little bit or whatever it is. And, you know, we've just been happy to just go along and, and, and do that. Four weeks is quite a quick turnaround. Your team must be working exceptionally hard. <laughs> It's been, it's, do you know what, that's been the other amazing thing is this, you know, and Rick Rossi, I'm sure can talk about this as well, but this, this mass shift to, a, to being a fully remote business and actually the team, you know, on the whole have just been loving it. Or, uh, they haven't been loving <laughs> the environment, but what they've been, what they've really adapted well to is having the freedom to work kind of where they want, when they want to spend more time with their family, to not have to just commute at eight and six, you know, and, you know, and we've put out surveys and I know, I know Crofty's done the same and, you know, our employees attitude to, to what they, how they want to work going forwards is just totally different than, than you could ever have imagined. Well, we had, you've been surprised by how many have come back to the office as you've begun to open it. Yes, absolutely. I, th I think what we'll see is, but it's just a change in the office, isn't it? Like, no, we have almost no one that wants to come and work from the office to use it as a desk and a screen with the, with the, with very small exceptions of people that maybe don't have the space to be able to do it at work or, or things like that. What people do want to do is they want to come back to the office to collaborate with their colleagues, to kind of have a meeting, you know, two meters away from someone in the, you know, against the table or whatever it is. And so, whereas we thought we might see a small percentage of people coming back, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis, actually what our team want to do is they want to come back as whole teams and then mm. find a way to use the office to be able to come in team by team in, in, a, in a safe way. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting my team to the back. It's just difficult to predict, I guess, what's going to happen in the future. I'm, I'm quietly optimistic about it. I guess look, if we're sort of looking at the future, Crofty, you've, you've invested in Prodi, you set up M7 Structure with um, Conan. For those who don't know, M7 Structure folks is a VC firm which focuses on real estate technology. So you're clearly committed to a prop tech. Are there any sort of future trends you're seeing or, you know, anything you're specifically uh, looking at currently or? In my spare time, which I have loads of, <laughs> I'm a non-executive director of IPSX, which is the new stock exchange of so FinTech business, uh, which is focusing entirely on real estate. And M7 is a very big investor in that. We've invested in Froda, We've invested in Ireland. We've invested in a crowdfunding platform in Australasia called Jasper. In fact, we've invested probably all in all eight or nine prop tech businesses over the last couple of years. Um, and our view is that we think technology is going to change real estate investing. I'm, I'm not clever enough to know exactly how. Um, Ollie probably is, um, but I'm not. Um, but what I do know is that you know, 
the industry is changing. Um, the industry is becoming more accepting of technology and that technology can improve the way that we do things. You know, people are now understanding that, that real estate is a fundamental part of everybody's lives, from the house you live in, pretty much every place that you visit. The built environment has a role to, to play. And so technology can change the way the buildings operate. It can change the way that you can asset manage. Um, it can change the efficiency of the building. And so, you know, we are looking or accepting that over the next 20 years, technology is going to be a major, major part of the real estate universe. Whether old-fashioned real estate investors like me, I'm 50, whether we like it or not, I'm afraid that is the film. I'm afraid that is the future. It's a very exciting one. And, you know, we would be remiss as an investor not to recognize that. And I think we recognized it early, um, 10, 10 years ago. But technology is improving every day. And not to embrace it and not to try and understand it and master it to help your own investment making decisions and to improve the efficiency of your buildings, your asset management is crazy. So what we've decided to do is double down on that and go, okay, not only are we going to adopt it ourselves as a user, we are also going to help get it off the ground by being an investor in it. Well, it's well, lucky for them, everyone who you've invested with. It's sort of, we work with some other VCs and I've spoken to some of their cohort and it's just nice. I think it's almost like soft launch when you have the backing of someone who understands real estate, understands of the investment and the landscape, and it always sort of helps in sort of pitching their business as well. I guess whether, whether it's traditional investments or VC investments, or I guess, Ollie, you sort of bringing on uh, different clients in the US and across to the Europe. Um, COVID's obviously slowed down some deals, but do you think overall in the long term it's going to have a positive effect? You know, what sort of timeframes do you think we're looking at? Croft, do you want to kickstart? I mean, I, I will try and kick kickstart. I mean, <laughs> we've seen activity, corporate activity, pick up a lot in the last three or four weeks. And whether that's just people just needed to get going again, whether it's because the lockdown is ending, a mixture of the two, because I still pick up a concern about where lockdown ending will lead. So the reality is, is we're all operating slightly blind at the moment as the speed mm. of, of pickup. But I would have thought that everything that has happened will underline the need for technology more. You know, there's a reason why the NASDAQ 100 is trading at a profit for the, for, for the year and is up even on its pre-COVID environment. It's because people believe that it is speeding up the adoption of technology, you know, the, the way that we did things in the old days as well, pre-COVID days, probably needs to be updated. So I would have thought that what's happened is going to speed up, at least in real estate, it's going to speed up the adoption of technology and speed up the adoption of platforms like IoT. Mm. Well, it sounds sounds like we're all in the um, all in the right space, and sort of long may this adoption well, continue. I mean, that's, 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 that's going to be very embarrassing if we're not. <laughs> Ollie, is there anything you'd like to add to that? No, I mean, listen, trying to predict the future at the moment is virtually impossible. Frankly, you know, I don't know when this is coming out. It's probably not for a, not for a good few weeks, and you know, who knows how the world will have changed by then. I, I definitely think that there is. We are definitely seeing cautious optimism across everyone that we're speaking to, but there is this just backing, as Richard said, of fear where people are just like, let's just see what happens over the next few weeks, see what the, you know, what the quarter looks like. And, you know, I hope if we can just get 
get through this without seeing a kind of big, big second second wave, then people's confidence will begin to return. And I think that's when the adoption will truly start to, to accelerate. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I, I'm conscious of time, and but this is sort of bringing us to the end of the show. Before we go, is there, is there anything that either you'd like to sort of share with the audience? I'm sure the listeners would love to be able to hear more, learn more from about Seven and also Kaiti. So, Crofty, what would be the best way for them to connect with you or the business? Well, uh, visit our website. Of course, that's terrible, isn't it? But visit our website. All of our contact details are on there. Or email me at richard.croft at m7re.eu. We're always delighted to hear from anybody who wants to talk to us about anything, really. Because you never know from those conversations, extraordinary things can happen. Richard is my, it's, you know, is my mentor, obviously. And, you know, Richard has, obviously, there's, yeah, they always say, you take any meeting, right? That's Just how it's through taking any meeting. Yeah. Well, you do mean from that. And, you know, I've had from, Mostly in bars, actually. But you know, you never know who you're going to talk to, who you're going to meet. You know, and from that, great relationships start. And, you know, M7 particularly benefit from the ethos that we would turn up to the opening of an envelope. The rationale being, you know, it's through networking, and that's still an old-fashioned thing that is going to take a while for technology to totally um, make an old track wall. Yeah, well, the, the, the dark ages, but you know, it is from networking that you make relationships and through relationships that you build businesses, in my opinion. Um, and the bars are opening on the 4th, so. Oh, God, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so, how much I loved going to the pub. I mean, I, I, I knew it was a favorite pastime, but now, you know, I've not been to a restaurant, obviously, like anybody else since early March, and I reckon I probably. You know, for a lot of my career, I've eaten out between 10 and 15 times a week. And <laughs> I have missed, well, I mean, I've lost a lot of weight, so I've got a lot of weight to, to, to name as well. Getting the summer body in shape. Um, how, how have your cooking skills come along? And I mean, I've always, unfortunately, Georgie, my wife is a cook, but no, I mean, I, I, I've missed restaurants terribly. So I'm really, and bars, I'm looking forward to just sitting with my friends, um, talking utter rubbish but in yeah. a convivial manner, in a convivial place. Yeah, I, literally, I second that, Crofty. And Ollie, how, how, do you, how would you like the audience to connect with you? So we would, obviously, we would love to show anybody Coyote, and we're about to release Coyote X, which is our latest version, you know, now, what did we just say? 11 years in the making. So if you want to see that, go to our website at coyotesoftware.co.uk or if you're in the US, coyotesoftware.io. If you want to connect with me and just chat generally about PropTech and tech in general, then you can find me on LinkedIn uh, and on Twitter at Coyote Ollie. O L I. Yeah, actually, no, I'll say that and follow me on Twitter. We need to adapt to the Twitter revolution. So I am at CroftyM7. Well, look, Crofty and Ollie, thank you so much for coming on the PropCast. Everyone who's listening, I will also share their details below. So if you wish to get in contact with me and catch how to connect with them, you will be able to. And um, thank you both for coming on the show. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us this week on the PropCast. And a big thanks to our special guests. Make sure you visit our website, www.nmre.co.uk, where you can subscribe to our show, or you'll find us on iTunes and Spotify where all good content is found. Whilst you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate it if you could rate and review us on iTunes, or if you simply just spread the word. Be sure to tune in next Tuesday, and I'll catch you later.
You're listening to a Podcast Company podcast. This was made by Podcast Syndicator, where we help you go from start to grow to making money with your podcast. Let us help you share your message and your voice with the world. Reach out now, Jason at PodcastSyndicator.com or Brett at PodcastSyndicator.com to find out more. Thank you for listening and do come back to hear nothing but the best podcasts.